in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Madison Bumgarner allowed no hits in the second game of a seven-inning doubleheader. It is not considered an official no-hitter by Major League Baseball, though. It is simply a complete game with no hits with seven innings pitched. Not a no-hitter for Madison Bumgarner yesterday. I think that's completely stupid. This, I think this is what Vasquez was talking about. And, of course, A-Rod, old-time guy, oh, you got to go nine. Why, A-Rod? Because, because uh, you know, Faye Vincent or Bud Sig, whoever came up with this weird thing that you have to go nine. All I got to ask is, was it an official game? Was the game official? Did Arizona get the win? Then the guy threw a no-hitter. You're, all these weird rules the last two years because of COVID with starting them on second and all the rules they've now, you know, they're trying out in the minor leagues with, you know, the bases and all that. So they're putting all these rules in. But they make a seven-inning game a full game, an official game in the standings, but he doesn't get a no-hitter. I think that's completely stupid. That, so if it's an official game, he threw a no-hitter. Hypothetical situation. You're playing a normal nine-inning game. You have a no-hitter, but somehow you gave up a run because you hit a guy and he stole second and then somehow scored on a bunt and a sack fly like you Yes, a bunt and a sack fly. Yes. <laughs> um, so let's just say hypothetically, you're throwing a no-hitter, but you're losing one nothing on the road. You don't have to pitch the ninth inning if your team doesn't score. Like, you throw eight innings, don't allow a hit. That counts as a no-hitter, doesn't it? Yeah, doesn't it? I think so. So why would that yeah. not be any different yeah. than a seven-inning doubleheader? I have, no, I, I have no idea. I thought yeah. I thought it was a no-hitter. It's, yeah, just, it's, yeah, it's stupid to me, too. But the funniest part of everything yesterday was the Braves and Diamondbacks played two seven-inning games. And the Braves had one hit in 14 yeah. innings because Zach Gallon, the other starter, threw a complete game one hitter in the first game of that doubleheader. Yeah. <laughs> nice question. The Nets beat the Suns in Kevin Durant's return. It's his second return from injury this month. Uh, but Durant had 33 points in 28 minutes. If they stay healthy, they're winning the NBA title, right? Oh, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say, uh, I still think, this sounds crazy, I get it. I still think if the Lakers are fully healthy, I would favor them. And, you know, that's a big if because we haven't seen it in so long. But if LeBron and AD are completely healthy, I would still take them in a seven-game series just because of LeBron. I, If both are fully healthy, you trust the Lakers' defense probably more than you trust anything else in a Lakers-Nets series. Uh, but I am fascinated to see, even if the Lakers managed to be the best team in the playoffs defensively, how the hell do you guard James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving? How, how do you do it? Like, that's going to be a near impossible thing to do, even for a team that might be the best defensive team in the league when they're fully healthy. So I'm fascinated. I hope we get there. I hope they're fully healthy because those three together in the playoffs could be phenomenally fun to watch. We just got to actually get them healthy through four seven-game series. Isn't it weird that we're sitting here? They've lost three straight. They're uh, Well, they're nine back. So, the, And it looks like they're going to be in the four or five matchup because the, the Phoenix and the Clippers are two back. I don't think they're overcoming those. That a team nine back in the standings, we're both thinking if they get to the finals, they're winning it. Uh, yeah, it's a little strange. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a little bit. It's, you know, LeBron James. He's kind of a big factor. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> He's a good man. You know, that's a great question. The college football playoff subcommittee 
introduced multiple expansion ideas to the college football playoff committee. So that included expanding to six teams, eight teams, 10 teams, 12 teams, and 16 team formats. Um, there won't be a change to the actual format until after the 2025 season because of what they're locked into right now. Uh, but we could get an announcement before then of, hey, we're expanding starting in 2026 to any number of teams. So uh, two questions. Do you think playoff expansion is inevitable and how many would they expand to first? I think it's inevitable. I love that Craig Thompson is part of this and he's the main quote. Uh, more and more people, not just fans, but 10 commissioners in Notre Dame have a vote are saying it's time to look at expansion. Does that mean two years from now, current 12-year contract expires? I do think when the contract expires, uh, Thompson, I think we could accommodate expansion for the 12-year contract, one man's opinion. Well, one man's opinion means that that subcommittee, as if they didn't know before this, uh, knows how much money is involved here uh, and knows if they go to eight, 12, 16, whatever, you're talking millions and millions and millions, if not more of dollars that TV will come at to televise it. So I think expansion is inevitable. I've always thought eight was the best number. I, I'm a little surprised they're talking as many as 12, but I would think they could double it and just go to eight when they make the first move. Who would be against it? Well, Saban probably because he's against everything. So I don't know, <laughs> but, other than him, I mean. But like, like that's it. Like, is there, like, I'm, I'm trying to think who would be against more playoff games? Because the only arguments to make are like, well, you got to play one more game for college football players and. I don't know. They might miss another week of class or something. But that's like the only right. argument I can think to make against it. Like if you're Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney, like you're in it every year. You don't want to have to play one more yeah. game. I get that. But even still, I don't even know that they would argue against it because they're not always going to be one and two and guaranteed a spot in the college football playoff. <laughs> so I just to me, I, I can't I don't know. I can't I can't figure out a logical reason, a, a good reason as to why anybody would be against adding at least eight teams for a college football player. Suddenly, suddenly bowl games that are normally meaningless will be like, yeah, this is the, this is the two seven game. Awesome. Yeah, it, it'll be much better. I don't know. Like you can still have your bowl games. I guess that could be one argument is you're taking away the specialty of bowl games from college football, but that's stupid anyways. Like you still get to have whatever the out, well, hell the outback bowl might be in the college football playoff if they go to eight. So yeah. I don't know. You still the UNLV can still make their goal to play in the Idaho Potato Bowl and not the Nova Home Loans Bowl in New Mexico, and you can have the college football playoff with eight teams, and nobody will know any different. I'm out. On Friday, the Chiefs traded for offensive tackle Orlando Brown. Uh, a lot of picks involved in this. The Ravens. Got a first, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. The Bra or the Chiefs, excuse me, got Brown plus a second and a sixth round pick. Uh, so Kansas City now has a pretty much whole new starting offensive line for Patrick Mahomes this year. Um, I don't. Do you feel like either one of these teams actually won this trade more than the other? Well, if you tell me Orlando Brown becomes, you know, uh, the player, the first round pick, and and you know on his on his second deal he becomes an you know an all pro player, then I think the Chiefs won the deal. Um, they did get a two back. I know they gave up a one, but they kind of gave up a one for a guy who was a first round pick. So when I first saw the deal, like right away, I said, oh, I think the Chiefs won that deal. But it's all up to Orlando Brain. You know, if he plays great, and he's an all pro, then they definitely won the deal. But yeah, I guess you got to see. It's similar to the Khalil Mack trade where the Ravens, for some reason, sent the Chiefs a second-round pick 
in when they got a first round back. So it not that it completely nullifies the first round pick, but it makes the first round pick less valuable because well, you gave up a second round pick to get it. So you're you're moving up more than you are actually acquiring a high pick there. So I expect the Chiefs to have won this trade at the end of the day because I think Orlando Brown, he's been very good in his career. So I, I think Orlando Brown's going to be great for the Chiefs. So I, I think they won this trade. Uh, but you know, if he sucks, if it turns into Trent Brown 2.0, then yeah, they absolutely lost it. And the Ravens did a good job to get a bunch of picks for him. Uh, yeah, so um, I think John Gruden's making this trade for the Ravens because he threw in the pick. <laughs> we, I need to also send back a two. He threw in a second and a sixth. <laughs> yeah, I need to give you two picks back because I want to be nice about this. He threw in two. It's great. Why do teams keep throwing in picks? Just take the picks uh, and run away. They, they had an odd amount of picks, and so they were like, all right, let's even this up. Let's even this Ugh. up. No, I always thought that the basically – the third, like the thirtieth, the thirty-first, and the thirty-second first-round picks were some of the most valuable because you're paying them the least amount of money, and you get the fifth-year option. So basically, I mean, yeah, they have yeah, value yeah. in that sense, but they also used it on Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year, so they kind of took that value and tr- threw it down the drain. So, oh yeah, no, yeah. yeah, that was stupid. Who takes a running back in the first round? Yeah, bad teams. That's yeah. crafty wording right there. Saying. I give you credit. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Ochocinco had a 2.2 GPA and used that as a parenting tactic to tell his kid to go get a job. Um, Ed, you're the only parent on this show. What'd you think of Chad Ochocinco telling his kid he wasn't going to buy him shoes and that he needs to get a job? Uh, well, for a long time, we've told our kids to get jobs, but I think we've bought them shoes as well. So I'm kind of in the middle <laughs> of the road here. Uh, uh, I... I am the bad person in the relationship because they pretty much know anything they want. They just ask me and I start clicking Amazon. And if they ask their mom, there's no chance they ever get it. Uh, so I, I got to plead, I got to plead, uh, you know, guilty here on buying shoes and whatever they want. Um, I don't, I, I had more of a two than it might be surprising to you. I had a little higher than a two, two, but I don't <laughs> think, I don't think I've ever insane. No, I don't think I've ever bragged about a GPA. I'll just leave it at that. Is this bragging? (laughs) Well, I think it is bragging. Yes, it is. Because his (laughs) his son asked him for a pair of shoes, and he told him, you have to get a job. I worked at McDonald's for extra stuff in high school. And then Chad Ochocinco also said, I caught the bus to school, then went to football practice, caught the bus to McDonald's for a six-hour shift, all while maintaining a 2.2 GPA and being a star athlete. Like, he could have just said, all while going to school, but he thought a 2.2 GPA was worth throwing in there. Like, okay. he remembers his high school GPA and it was only a 2.2. He was proud of that. I The only the only thing he was missing there was through a snowstorm. So if he'd have put in it through a snowstorm, <laughs> then or walking to school in a snowstorm, then I would have uh, thought more of him. But... Uh, Hey, I've got I've got no room to talk here. I am I am absolutely the softy in the house, and they know it. And uh, it's just an absolute joke in our house when they want something and who they go to. I don't think they've asked their mother for anything since they were like two. What do you think? Eduardo Delcadia is transferring to Nichols State. So here's your rundown on UNLV players transferring out. Delcadia to Nichols State. Devin Tillis and Jalen Martinez went to UC Irvine. Donovan Yap to Fresno State. David Jenkins to Utah. Caleb Grill to Iowa State. Isaac Lindsay is walking on at Wisconsin. 
Moses Wood, Bryce Hamilton, and Mbake Zhang have yet to announce their decision. Um, do you take anything away from those schools that UNLV players have transferred out to? Um, no. I, if you ask me so far the most surprising one, I'm going to say Donovan Yap to Fresno. Because I don't, you know, after watching last year, that surprises me he would be able to stay in the Mountain West. You know, David Jenkins, Craig Smith saw him. He must have liked him when they played against the Rebels. I, I mean, I'm not blown away by that because Craig Smith was in the league. Maybe he saw something in David Jenkins, TJ, or whoever didn't. I don't know, but that didn't, like, shock me. Um, the UC Irvine kids, they're going down in level. Caleb, obviously, with the, you know, TJ, I mean, I, I think Caleb's going to graduate and ask TJ where he's coaching next. He's going to be a grad assistant. So wherever <laughs> TJ is, Caleb is. Um, you know, Isaac Lindsay's a walk-on, a preferred walk-on. That's fine. I think the three left, after Jenkins went, obviously the three left are the ones we're all waiting for, right? I mean, those are really the only ones at this point where you could say made huge impacts last year, and you were waiting to see where they go. Yeah, I, I am curious where Mbake Jong ends up. Uh, Bryce Hamilton, if he even goes pro or comes back will be interesting and then Moses Wood because he's been at Tulane and UNLV so he's kind of been in that mid-major range all right coming up next we'll stick with UNLV basketball because they did not get some good news over the weekend about Arthur Kaluma. Trevor is a person that un uh, understands um, a lot of guys playing and the kids be kids and um, the emotion, the passion and uh, the excitement. And so if, if he's going to do that and uh, be okay, with, then obviously he's going to be okay with other players doing that. And, you know, and, and that's part of it. So I got no problem with that. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. All right, we just have a few more days before the NFL draft is here, and we are giving you a chance to win $1,000 in cash plus a $250 Raider Image Store gift card. Go to lvsportsnetwork.com, find our drafting for Doe Image, click on that, and all you got to do is make the first, try to correctly predict the top 17 picks in order in the NFL draft. And the grand prize is $1,000 in cash plus a $250 Raiders Image Store gift card, thanks to the DeHart team with Nova Home Loan. So again, lvsportsnetwork.com, drafting for dough. Got some big news over the weekend from UNLV basketball. Uh, Jake Lieberman reported that Arthur Kaluma is reopening his commitment. Arthur Kaluma, the top 50 recruit in the 2021 class that is still signed with UNLV. We haven't gotten an actual official notice that he's been released from his letter of intent with UNLV. Uh, but it appears as though Arthur Kaluma will not be coming to UNLV. Uh, so what do we make of this and Kevin Kruger's offseason as a, a as a whole with Arthur Kaluma potentially leaving? Oh, I mean, you can't say it's it's a good thing for the Rebels. Like you said, you've already mentioned his recruiting rankings. You've done you've written in the past about what he would mean to the team. I mean, yeah, he was their top recruit. It's not good. It's I, I don't I'm going to say it's not good. It's not overly surprising either. I mean, kids, no matter what anyone says out there, at the end of the day, kids sign for who the head coach is and what playing time they're getting, how many shots they're getting. It's just the reality of the situation. So he was not the lead coach. I don't know how much he was the lead recruiter on him, but he was not the head coach. Um, he might have looked at the roster now and, and not like the makeup as much as he did. I don't, we don't know. But I don't think either of us are surprised he's not coming back. Here's the other thing. Um, I don't remember this. You probably did. When, when, the, when the list was tweeted, 
correct me if I'm wrong, UNLV was the only non-Power 5 in there. Now, I guess that surprised me, not because UNLV, he shouldn't come to UNLV. I was surprised he turned down all those other schools. And this goes back to, again, were those schools offering? Like, what was the situation? When you see that, when I saw that list, Tyler, I'm like, man, that was even a better get than I thought if, in fact, those schools offered, right? I mean, if, in fact, he was, like, really one of their main recruits and not kind of a backburner kid. But let's say they were all true. They beat a lot of good schools for the kid. Yeah, no, they absolutely did. Arthur Kaluma had offers from, like, every Power 5 school that was in, even interested in them, like Kansas, Arkansas, Arizona State, Oklahoma, Syracuse, Texas A&M, USC. All of those schools offered him, along with UNLV, back when guess. he was still – before he signed with UNLV. Um, the the part of this, though, is – to me, is it highlights that this has not been a very good offseason for Kevin Kruger because – Kevin Kruger has lost 10 players off the roster. Now, some of those, you were perfectly fine with losing Devin Tillis or Jalen Martinez or Donovan Yap, right? There's a lot of names on there that aren't a big deal. But they've also lost every good player off the last season's team except for Nick Blake. Like, he's held on to one guy that made a difference last year in Nick Blake. But Mbake Jong is gone. Bryce Hamilton, gone. David Jenkins, gone. Moses Wood, Caleb Grill, they're all gone. He's lost everybody. But this whole time, he, he had Arthur Kaluma. He had a top 50 recruit coming in, so it wasn't it wasn't too bad. It was okay. Like, you, you have a top 50 recruit coming in. But now that you've lost Arthur Kaluma, I, I think this is a brutal offseason for Kruger. He's still got three spots to fill in his roster. But right now, like, I look at this UNLV roster, and I'm not sure it's better than it was last year. Like, it, like they're going to be better defensively, but I don't know how they score. Like, I don't know that this team is is any better than they were last season, and you walked into it with a top 50 recruit. And listen, part of the reason you hire the assistant coach is to keep some continuity around. There's been zero of that. They've kept only three guys. So I, I think this has been a brutal offseason for Kruger, and he's going to have to do something with those last three spots that actually make it a bit more optimistic going into year one. A couple things off the top of my head. I think a lot of Kaluma was Zayon Collins. I might be completely wrong about that, but I thought there was a connection there. Obviously, Zayon's not coming. The other thing, and Sam Gordon kind of mentioned this, I don't know if this is going to happen. I'll preface it with this. But I'm not going to be surprised if Bryce Hamilton comes back for a few reasons. One, I think he got evaluations back from the NBA. He's not even near ready that. This is also what some people kind of forget along the process. Bryce Hamilton's probably a year out of graduating. I know it's very important to his mom that he graduates. When you go into the portal and you talk to USC and UCLA, a main it's not that they won't take you, but a main part is what credits are transferring. So USC might say, we'd like you. These are the credits we'll take. Now it's going to take a year and a half to graduate. Do you want to come? I think there's a good chance he comes back. I might be wrong. Not today in four, you know, two minutes, we might see him tweet that he's going somewhere else. I'm not going to say yet that they won't have Bryce Hamilton. I don't think John – I think John's more of a kid. I think he's already graduated. He's kind of thinking about going on with his life. I told you before I was even surprised Moses Wood was in the portable. That kind of kind of shocked me because I thought he was going to get minutes and he could shoot the ball. And that – he probably has surprised me most of anyone. But I'll tell you that I think there's a good chance Bryce Hamilton was back. I don't know if that's true. I just think the one thing people forget is if you're – it's not – if you're a freshman or sophomore, it doesn't matter. But if you're a year out of graduating and it's really important to your parents that you graduate – there's a decision to be made when you when they'll say, well, we'll take 40% of your units. Then it's like, wait a minute, now I'm two years out? So I'm going to wait and see on Bryce Hamilton. And, and let me ask you this. I'll turn it back to you. If Bryce Hamilton comes back in the next week, then how much does that change your mind on the offseason? A lot. Because right now you look at this roster and UNLV does not have a single player 
that you could even make an argument is first team all Mountain West. I don't even know if you could make the argument they have a single player that should be second team all Mountain West going into next season. So you're talking about Bryce Hamilton coming in. And listen, he was extremely inefficient last year. He did right. not have a great season. He, he was a volume scorer, like the, by definition, the most volume scorer you could possibly be. But if you have Bryce Hamilton, you have a guy that could be considered close to first team all Mountain West, if not first team all Mountain West. And that's a massive deal because you, you need A, that star level player to have any chance to compete for a Mountain West championship or honestly just to compete in the top four. But more importantly, what Bryce Hamilton does offensively is he can create his own shot. Again, very inefficient last year. You got to get to him with a yeah, stop taking so many mid-range jumpers. But he can create his own shot. And right now on the roster, they don't have anyone that's proven they can do that. So even though I don't think Hamilton coming back makes them a, a Mountain West contender in terms of winning a championship, I think getting Bryce Hamilton back fills a big need on this roster in two ways that A, he can be one of the 10 best players in the conference, and B, he does something that nobody else has shown they can do, and that is create your own shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I think if he doesn't come back and Jong and, and, and Wood leaves, it's... I mean, it's not a good offseason, and, and we're trying to find anyone who can score. I mean, like anybody. I mean, I guess it's Nick Blake. Uh, if he comes back, I think it's a shot in the arm the right way for Kruger. Uh, like you said, he'd have things to improve on uh, defensively, and that's what Kevin Kruger is supposed he's building this roster on because he knows how bad they've been defensively. But I might be completely wrong. Like I said, I, I just think it's been a long – this kid's been in the portal a long time. What, he averaged 18 last year or whatever? And usually your evaluation in the NBA is back pretty quick, and he's not an NBA player. I think that's already come back. I think he knows that. Usually a kid like that, he's made up his mind by now if, in fact, the options are what everyone thought they were. So the longer this holds out, the more apt I'm to believe he might come back. Because, again, I think everyone thought USC, UCLA, he'd go home. Those were Pac-12 schools where he's from. And that hasn't happened. So I'm kind of sitting here wondering where he's going to go. He's not going to go pro. That would be a silly decision. Uh, so I think Kevin Kruger's trying, like Sam said, I think he's trying to convince him and we'll see what happens. I mean, Kruger needs that, or he needs somebody yes, like yes. that. Like that's, that's yeah. the play. He needs that. And because otherwise you're, you're looking at a roster in an off season that is, is not that impressive. And you're looking at something that you're going in the next year and UNLV is going to be picked in the, you know, middle of the mountain West at best, if this is what they have. So Kruger needs that. He needs somebody yeah. like that. Even if it's not Bryce Hamilton, he needs somebody on that level. I don't know that there's that many players on that level still left in the transfer portal because most of the big names have been taken uh, or have gone somewhere else. So, But they, that's what they need. They absolutely need that. I know uh, Devion Harmon, who was Oklahoma's number two scorer last year, like he committed to Oregon over the weekend. Right. Like That was one right. where, eh, you know, he's got the Oklahoma connection. Maybe they could make that happen. He went to Oregon. Like that would have been right. a, a massive guy to land that would have, you know, made up for, uh, you know, not having Bryce Hamilton or anybody, honestly, that, that right. looks like a proven scorer. So he needs somebody like Bryce Hamilton. He needs a guy that is a proven scorer at the Mountain West or higher level. So if it's Hamilton, that that's good. And that's a that's a big boost to this offseason for Kruger. If they don't get anybody like that, then we're looking back saying, all right, uh, wasn't great. Like, it's not awful. He's put together a roster. He's got some guys that have some chances to break out. But I don't think we're looking back saying it was a great offseason by Kevin Kruger if he doesn't bring back Bryce Hamilton or at least get a player similar to Bryce Hamilton. All right, coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. He his pants. 
This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Ryan! How are you, Ryan? Jeff Ryan? Hey, buddy. I'm good. How are you? You've had, like, what? This is like a stretch of, like, one hockey game in, like, what, six days? Do you even know what to do with yourself? Um... Yeah, I mean, I do. I I've enjoyed the the time off. It's been nice, and I'm not going to apologize for it. No, never apologize. That's not what we would want from a, a John Tortorella lover. Um, okay, they've won nine in a row, but they've been against nine of the worst teams in hockey. So, what do you take away from their nine game win streak? Does it mean anything to you? Like, what significance do you put on it? I mean, it means that they're exactly what we expected them to be at the beginning of the season, a team that was clearly above almost every other team in the division except for maybe Colorado. And, you know, the thing to kind of keep in mind is Colorado's done the same thing all year to bad teams too. Like the Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche aren't very much different in terms of how they've played against the bottom of the division. Although one team seems to get more credit for it than the other one does. I don't really understand that, but... The Golden Knights are a very good hockey team. They've won nine in a row. Yes, it's been against bad competition, but what else can you do in a division where you are surrounded by mostly bad competition? (laughs) Ryan, um, if it started today, if they had a playoff series started today, Mm -hmm. what would you be most concerned about with their injuries right now? A certain player, what what would concern you the most? If, if, If it started today and all these guys were hurt? Yeah, I mean, the, the obvious ones are Tomas Nosek and Riley Smith, right? Like, those are two guys that in your lineup, especially with the way Nosek has played throughout the last four or five weeks, like, that's a big hole in the lineup for the Golden Knights. Now, that all being said, I, I think Riley Smith is probably the, the one that, that scares me the most just simply because he's an impact player. And I know the numbers haven't really um, – showed that this season but he's still the type of guy that you can trust in multiple different ways in a game he can kill penalties he's just that type of of player so uh for me in terms of injuries if it started today uh i'd need to know that riley smith is close to or will be in the lineup for me to feel okay about where the golden knights are at right now so riley smith keegan colasaw ryan reeves have missed a significant amount of time they lost uh, Nick Waugh and Tomas Nosek in the last game they played. Now, they've actually got some time off, which is good for them given their injuries at forward right now. But uh, how many healthy forwards are they going to have on Wednesday when they play Colorado? Like, who the hell is playing on these four lines when they play Colorado? Yeah, I, I have no honest idea. Like, we <laughs> haven't really got any update on, on Tomas Nosek or Nick Waugh. Riley Smith, the last update, and that was before the game against Anaheim, was that he's, he's getting close. It's, it's looking good, um, but, you know, still really not any timetable in terms of when Riley Smith might be back. So for the Golden Knights against Colorado, and, and it's interesting because we've kind of circled that game, right, as, as a game that, that we want to learn something about the Golden Knights. We want to see what this team is, and they might not be the, the team that, that should these two teams meet in the playoffs actually shows up that day because, the Golden Knights right now are, are ravaged by injury. So I'm not really sure. I'm not going to guess. Uh, we'll wait for media availability to try to find some stuff out and, and whether or not the Golden Knights are going to have a full roster, a full lineup on Wednesday. 
how seriously would you consider using Peyton Krebs? Um, I mean, seriously, I guess, right? Like we're, we're in a, we're in a spot here where, you know, you, you don't really know who's available to you. You don't really know who you can utilize. And I think Peyton Krebs time with the team in the bubble certainly puts him kind of on a fast track to, to getting a look in the NHL and, you know, with a bunch of injuries and injuries up the lineup too, I think it's a little bit easier to talk yourself into just giving him a look to see what you have. We debated this off the top of the show. I'd love to get your answer to finishing the sentence. If the Golden Knights don't win the Stanley Cup, this season should be considered a what? Well, I think by their standards, I, I think it would be a disappointment, right? Like, this is a team that I think came into this season, based on what they did in the offseason, expecting to be a Stanley Cup contender. And I, I, I would go a step further and say that they're expecting to win the Stanley Cup this season. So if anything less than that, I think, would be a disappointment. I mean, you can you can find solace in, in getting there. You can find solace in being one of two or one of four teams if you want to. But I think in that room with this organization, based on what they've done, their expectation this season is to win a Stanley Cup, and anything less than that is going to be viewed as a bit of a disappointment. Uh, Ryan, I know you enjoy the Anaheim Ducks reverse retro jerseys, but can you can you tr- explain to me why the Ducks ever went away from the green and eggplant to their stupid black, orange, and gold jerseys now? Um, yeah, they, they stopped wanting to be a Disney movie, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> there's, there's nothing better in this world and eggplant and jade and tyler if you're going to say the the colors you got to get it right it's eggplant and jade it is a very specific color of green or teal if you want to go that route but that'll make san jose sharks fans angry it is the greatest color scheme in hockey it is so so unique and so good and it pains me every single day to know that the anaheim (laughs) ducks had it so right when they started and they have messed it up thoroughly ever since Right? It's awful. Like, their their actual jerseys, not their reverse retros, but their actual jerseys now are not good. And, like, it's, I don't know. I'm. It's so terrible that they had unbelievable jerseys, and it's just horrific now. It's It's got to be one of the worst, like, franchise makeover jersey logo decisions in the history of sports. I mean, it, it rivals, for me, the Buffalo slug in Buffalo. Like, it rivals for me when <laughs> Buffalo decided to go black. Uh, black, gray, and red. But beyond that, I mean, just from a nostalgia standpoint, like uh, the Ducks hit a little bit harder for me. Uh, they are eggplant and jade. They're always going to be eggplant and jade, and anything less than eggplant and jade is just a failure in my book. Tyler has made me a Jersey guy, and I love the movie with the Ducks, but uh, where do you rank those purple throwbacks and the Kings with the crown? I love those. Oh, they're the best. They're literally the oh, best in hockey. God. And, Unbelievable, and, and it's, Tyler. It's so, it's so good because, like, rarely like rarely do you ever deliver on what the actual task is supposed to be. So for the Kings, right, it's the reverse retro. And, and you're supposed to go with a retro jersey and reverse something, the color scheme, whatever it is, the logo, whatever you want to do. It is so on the money for what the designed intent was supposed to be that it hits all the all the right notes, but then you look at that color scheme and you look at that franchise and you kind of look at everything in general, that should be their jersey from now until the end of time. Yes. It's too yes. good. Yes. Yes. 
Uh, Ryan, who is going to be the fourth team from the West to make the playoffs? Uh, I don't know. Whoever wins the last day of the season. <laughs> like, whoever. Who, the I'll, Kings I'll it you, is. It's, it's, it's a team <laughs> that wins more than four games in the remaining schedule. Like I, Four? I, oh. Yeah. That'd be impressive. Maybe three. You know, you're right. You're right. Maybe three. <laughs> Maybe four was a little bit a little bit too high. Two to three. Whoever wins two to three games the rest of the way is probably going to get in because right now it looks like St. Louis, Arizona, and to a greater extent, San Jose, they, they don't want any part of that fourth spot in the Honda West division. <laughs> is there a substantial difference in your mind if they have to go against St. Louis or Arizona? No, not really. Like not, not based on what we've seen this season, right? Like, the Golden Knights have really dominated the St. Louis Blues, and and even the games that they've lost, uh, especially that first game that they lost, it, it really wasn't St. Louis that was taking the play to Vegas. It was really a bad matchup for St. Louis. I don't buy the Blues. I don't buy Jordan Bennington, and I don't think they're that good right now it, it, just in terms of a seven-game playoff series. So that being said, I don't view St. Louis or Arizona much differently than I I, I I don't view them any differently between the two clubs. So I'm curious, how important do you think it is that they get the number one spot in the West so they get to play Arizona or St. Louis and avoid Minnesota? Or, or do you think it's it, it's whatever, it's the playoffs, it doesn't really matter if you got to play Minnesota or Arizona first? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just I feel like the Golden Knights can – find a way to win a seven game series against the Minnesota wild. Like I, I know that Minnesota structured. I know that it's caused issues for the golden Knights at times, but you know, the blues caused issues for the golden Knights at times until they figured it out. And now they can't lose to St. Louis. I don't think that, that the Minnesota wild scared me that much. And I I'm kind of conflicted on this because last year, Last season in the bubble, the Golden Knights had the easiest path to get to the Western Conference Final and just flamed out because it got hard. I, I don't know if I would rather they play a team like St. Louis or Arizona just to kind of get through and then set that up with Colorado, or if I'd like to see them play some, some intense hockey against Minnesota in that, in that first round. I'm not really sure where I fall on this. I just think getting into the playoffs, which they have, is is the the first step, and I think winning the division is incredibly important to them to set themselves up for the best chance to get to the final four. Well, does it does it make it exciting? We've talked about this, and we talked about it off the top of the show. Then, if they get out and they've won nine straight and they're really good, but does it fascinate you? That there's a little mystery that you really at this point cannot say one way or the other how they're going to match up in the four because they will have never seen anyone. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Like, I mean, I know what the numbers tell me, right? Like, I know that they're among the top three or four teams in the league right now, and I get all of that. But I have no idea what this team can do against Carolina. I have no idea what they can do against Toronto, though I could I could bet Toronto would probably um, be their own worst enemy. I have no idea what this team <laughs> is against Washington or Pittsburgh or the New York Islanders. Like, it's, it's so difficult to really get a gauge – on where the Golden Knights are at among the rest of the league. We know where they're at in this division, but that does not guarantee that once they get to the Final Four, they might not run into a team that's an absolute matchup nightmare, and we'll have nothing to base that on because we haven't seen any of the other teams play against the Vegas Golden Knights. Who do you feel worse for, John Gibson or Connor McDavid? 
Oh, John Gibson. Come on. That's that's not even a question. <laughs> Connor McDavid. I mean, it is. No, it's not. But, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous question. It's a ridiculous <laughs> question. Like that How many times has McDavid been to the playoffs? No, no, no. How many times has McDavid been to the playoffs in his career? Like, this it doesn't, will be like it doesn't the third matter. time, like, In right? this moment right now, I, I do not feel bad at all for Connor McDavid. He's going to win the Hart Trophy. <laughs> He's going to score a million points. Like, I don't feel bad for him. He's going to the playoffs. Like, what are you going to do there? Nothing. I get it, but... At least he's going there. At least he's not John Gibson throwing his stick in the air because he's got no help at all, <laughs> at all, in a game. Well, he is Ryan Wallace, Ryan Hockey Guy on Twitter. Ryan, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. All right, thanks, guys. Oh, poor did you, see that, uh, did you see that crazy stat that just got tweeted on McDavid? Five on five. Uh, Edmonton is plus 88 in scoring chances with them on the ice. Without him, minus 183. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh my See, God. legitimate question, Ryan. Get out. Oh, All right. God, we need sad. a new sharp. We need a new sharp. This is your chance to make a pick from any of the games that are happening today and go on a winning streak. Somebody's got to knock off Ron, who won eight in a row back the first month we did this. I think it was in September. So we need a new uh, sharp. 702-364-1100 is the phone number if you'd like to be our sharp. If you'd like to take your chances at making a pick every day, 702-364-1100. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, our new sharp is Stu. Stu, what pick would you like to make today? Well, I'm torn between my buddies, Angels, and my Brewers, so I'm going to have to go with my hometown and take the Brewers. All right. The Brewers are hosting the Marlins. And, oh, Corbin Burns is pitching. Oh, you got nothing to worry about. All right. We got the Wait, Brewers hold on, hold in on, for Stu. you. Stu, are you there? Yeah. Are you the Stu from my fantasy football league? Because I only know one hey, Stu. Ed. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I only know one guy in the world named Stu. But see, I was going to take your Dodgers to make you happy as well, but, you know, me and Mark kind of weighed out on this. So. All right. Don't, don't, don't worry. Your, your, your Fantasy League championship ring is on order. You'll get it next year. Next year, 2022 or 2021? No, 2021 at the draft. I'll have it there for you. i got to click on Amazon again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> see you, buddy. Thanks, Stu. <laughs> I know one stew in my life, STU. I get the kids texting, and he won our league, won all my money, and now he wants a ring, and he's calling in. That's right. You get him the ring. What are you doing? I'll get, get him. him the ring. I'm going to Amazon. Go a week before the draft every year, I go to Amazon and just click on, like, the cheapest ring I can find. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's get the ring. Let's get it going here. So, Stu has the Brewers. Corbin Burns, who is apparently the greatest pitcher in the history of the sport, is pitching tonight. So, he should be fine. Now, more importantly... Washington State football had their spring game over the weekend. And instead of starting the spring game with a coin toss to determine who gets to have possession first and all that, Washington State sent out two long snappers. And they stood at midfield, and then they marched backwards about 15 yards like it was a duel. Uh, but then they got down, instead of shooting each other with guns, they got down and started long snapping at each other. 
and the first person to hit the opposing long snapper won what would have normally have been the coin toss, and they get to decide, hey, we want the ball or whatever. And I can't think of a good reason as to why this should not replace the coin toss to start every single football game. Yeah. You'd have to lay the odds, though, on the guy losing with the biggest bubble butt, obviously, because if you're snapping and there's a huge bubble butt back there, and that's why that's why the Raiders would lose, because the bubble butt guys would always be getting hit in the butt. Uh, Mayock would never win a coin toss. So uh, this is awesome, though. I, I actually like this. I Why not be crazy? I mean, who cares about a coin toss? Have people just throw, throw things at each other. Right. Well, it's okay. There's two parts of this because a, a coin toss is whatever. It's supposed to be a 50, 50 chance, but it's, it's pointless. Yeah. Nobody wants to watch that. And two, it would actually put some added emphasis to who your long snapper is. Like you'd care about who the long snapper is because you get to see him do this to start every single game. And Hey, maybe long snappers get paid more. If you're able to always win the fake coin toss now, Maybe the long snapper actually starts winning a lot more or gets paid a lot more, and now the long snapper is important. So I am 100% on board with the most ridiculous way to start a football game by having this long snapper duel where they're trying to hit each other. It's phenomenal. And also, you've got guys bent over sticking their asses in the air, and hopefully they're getting drilled with a ball by it. It's great. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal to watch. I think we could give people betting options by speaking to the long snapper, the Raiders, but they won't let him come on with us. So we were going to, because we've, by the way, people, we've requested long snapper 76,000 times. He's yet to come on. Um, okay. Let me ask you this. Who's the long snapper, the Raiders? Trent uh, Siege, I believe is how you pronounce the last oh, name. Oh, good for you. Uh, to me, on most things, on most things on Trent Siege, it would be like the offensive lineman. No one knew who the hell they were talking about. Like what? Who's that? Like, we we got Trent Siege off the, off the off the street last week, even though he's been on our team on the practice squad with the offensive lineman. But uh, yeah, one day we'll get Trent Siege on the on the radio in a couple of years from now. We'll have to ask him about this. Do you guys remember how the old XFL? Well, I guess they're both now the old XFL, but the original XFL <laughs> used to do a coin toss where they would just have two guys line up side by side and chuck a ball, and whoever got it. <laughs> Got to start with the ball. Right now, it's uh, now so it's long snappers. the game with a fist fight. Yeah, now it's long snappers, and it's great. So Trent Siege, uh, he's getting paid less than a million dollars. If all of a sudden Trent Siege could guarantee that he's going to win this long snapper duel every game, how much is he making? Is John Gruden giving him like three million, four million a year? Oh uh, yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? The way the way they spend money. That, that might be more valuable than Joker Canyon Drake at an 11. <laughs> if he can win, if he knows he's winning the snap every time because he's got some guy hitting the other guy in the ass, of course. I mean, that, that guy would do it, might be the highest paid guy next to the car. <laughs> Come on. We have given uh, our long snapper uh, a five year deal worth $110 million with all of it guaranteed. <laughs> every single bit of it has been guaranteed he- because Trent Siege is the greatest long snapper in long snapper <laughs> dueling history. Okay, except then he breaks his hand on like a field goal at the one yard line. Oh, that's, that would screwed. happen. Oh, yes. Yeah, not he good. gets injured. He gets injured on that yeah, field goal good. at the one yard line. Would not be good for John Gruden. Oh, give us the long snapper duels. We don't need boring coin tosses anymore. Hell, this would be ah. so much more fun to bet on. You could bet on which long snapper is going to win. How many snaps it would take. It'd be phenomenal.